Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Welcome to Take Pride in Retirement, the podcast dedicated to helping members of the LGBTQ community protect and grow their hard-earned money. Get set for a show full of education and insights with your host and advisor, Matt McClure. We recognize every family is unique. The goal of the show is to help you achieve financial freedom so you and your loved ones can have the retirement you've always dreamed of. A retirement you can take pride in, no matter who you are, where you're from, or who you love. So now, let's start the show. Here's Matt McClure. Hello and welcome once again to Take Pride in Retirement. Thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day to join me. I'm Matt McClure, your host, your advisor, your good buddy, your friend, your pal. Um, And uh, at least I hope so. Uh, By now, anyway, we're doing this a few months and uh, getting more and more uh, traction, more and more active here on the podcast. And I appreciate you uh, sticking with us uh, through this uh, growth. And we hope to continue to grow uh, in 2024 as we go forward. Speaking of growth, speaking of great things, we've got a great guest on the show today, Katie Lycom who is a certified gender specialist. She is a, a therapist working in the uh, Atlanta area mainly, but she also sees clients in other states. And we're going to talk about a lot of great stuff. I'll, I'll tell you more about that uh, in just a moment. Uh, but I also uh, wanted to mention right here from the jump that you can always reach out to me at any time by going to takeprideinretirement.com. Takeprideinretirement.com. Uh, that is the website. You can email me, Matt at TakePrideInRetirement.com. My name's Matt. The website's TakePrideInRetirement.com. Put an at symbol between the two, and there you go. Easy enough to reach out to me for any of your uh, financial needs, questions about anything we talk about here on the show. Uh, you can also give us a call uh, at the uh, Midtown Atlanta office of Active Wealth Management, which is the company that I am happy to be affiliated with. Um, 855-246-9211. That's 855-246-9211. Um, you can get in touch with us there. We'll be absolutely happy to help you out and make your retirement one that you can take pride in. That's the whole point of the show. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter who you love, no matter what your identity, how you identify, how you want the world to see you, Um, We just want you to be treated with the respect that you deserve. And part of that respect is making sure that you have the resources, the knowledge um, and the wherewithal to have a retirement that you can take pride in, period. End of story. It's that easy. That that's the how simple the concept is for this show. And uh, I enjoy bringing it to you each and every time we put out a new episode. Now, we always start out our show. Before we get to our our wonderful guest, and I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. Um, but before we do that, we always start off our show with a quote of the week. And now for some financial wisdom, it's time for the quote of the week. And our quotes here come from uh, usually LGBTQ plus allies, people who are in the community or uh, who are supportive of the community as well. And this time around, someone who you may have heard of once or twice named Tim Cook 
Now, if that is uh, if you keep up with business news, that's a name that should ring a bell because he took over the reins of Apple after the death of Steve Jobs several years ago. And he has been the one who's been doing, you know, all those big flashy presentations and all of that. And he is um, just just happens to be gay. And so this is what Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, had to say uh, not all that long ago about uh, about that very subject. Tim Cook said this, quote, so let me be clear. I'm proud to be gay and I consider being gay among the greatest gifts God has given me. Boy, great words there. Unashamed. He is truly taking pride in himself. And of course, somebody like Tim Cook will have a retirement he can take pride in as well. We want the same for you. Of course, maybe not on the scale of a Tim Cook because, uh, yeah, he you know makes the millions and millions every year. But still, uh, we want you to have the best possible retirement for you and for your family, no matter what that looks like. That is the whole goal. And part of the aging process for those of us who are part of the LGBTQ plus community, so much of it has to do with the emotions of it all, because, you know, our family structures tend to be a bit different than the quote unquote normal uh, in, in this country and around the world. Um, we tend to either, you know, be partnered, but not married or unpartnered or people, you know, we don't, we are partnered, we are married, we, but we don't have kids or, you know, the family structure is just not quite the same a lot of the time. And so that being the case, there are a lot of mental, emotional issues that go along with that. And so this is why I'm so excited to have uh, this particular guest on the show today. Uh, I want to share with you this conversation that I have had with Katie Lycom. Uh, I mentioned her a minute ago, a certified gender specialist. She's in private practice and licensed to see clients in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Texas, and Florida. She's also a public speaker and an educator, and she's spoken at Gender Odyssey Los Angeles, among others. She also authored the Gender Identity Journal, Prompts and Practices for Exploration and Self-Discovery. So great book there if you'd like to check that out. And you'll see why I was so excited to speak with Katie when you hear our conversation. Here it is. We welcome Katie Lycom to Take Pride in Retirement. Katie, welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Now, you are um, you're a therapist. You are someone who works with uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community, um, specifically working on trans issues. But tell me a little bit um, about who about who you are <laughs> and, and what you do. OK, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Um, I'm a mental health therapist. I'm an LCSW, so based in social work. Um, I work mostly with the trans community. Um, I'd say that's about 98% of my caseload. And I do individual sessions. Um, I also teach other therapists through continuing education, how to be trans affirming. Um, and I wrote a book, um, The Gender Identity Journal, uh, to explore your gender identity. Um, and I also, um, with clients, I work with chronic illness ADHD, autistic clients, and religious trauma, mostly, and coming out, exploring your gender. Very good. Well, talk about how you um, got started doing the work that you do as well, because you are, you're a cisgender woman um, who is married to a man. And so people might be like, oh, wait a minute, this, is, this might be a little bit outside the, what you would expect. So how did you get started in this line of work? Yeah, so... Um, I 
I had a friend, I, I lived in Athens, Georgia for about a decade. And I had a friend that um, we were, we were acquaintances um, before she moved to California. And when she came back, she had transitioned. And um, it was my first time really sitting down. I remember we were like in a waffle house and I met her after she had come back. It was my first time really sitting down with someone who was trans and, and talking and, and being like acclimated to someone who had transitioned and her and I became wonderful friends. Um, she was actually the maid of honor in my wedding. Um, and through her, I met, uh, like a dinner party, monthly dinner party of a lot of trans women. And this was over a decade ago. This was a long time ago. So it was back when people still needed, um, like six to 12 months of therapy before they could start hormones. And it kind of upset me and, you know, made my like social justice, um, spidey senses come up and, I said that when I got fully licensed, I wanted to open a practice to break down barriers for the trans community. So it was all just being um, being introduced to the community and and becoming friends and and then um, through all that, my self exploration, um, I realized that I was queer myself, um, and so I am a part of the community, even though I'm married to a guy and bisexual. So it's just been an interesting journey. Yeah, it's one of those don't judge a book by its cover kind of situations there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what would you say, you know, in your own experience um, with with your friend initially and then through the years in your in your practice and in your life? What are some of the the biggest things that people at large don't necessarily understand um, about gender identity? You know, I think. So there's a few things, there's lots of things that people don't understand about gender identity. Um, one thing is that it's not a choice, much like sexuality is not a choice. Gender identity is not a choice either. Um, people don't choose to be transgender. Um, I mean, with all the bills and legislation and the hate crimes and just everything that's happening, just just know that nobody would choose this unless it was truly, truly genuine. And then um, I was just talking about this with a client yesterday um, is that sexuality um, and um, who, you, who you love, your sexuality is not directly related to gender identity. So people assume, oh, well, do, like I had a client whose dad asked them, they're a trans woman. Oh, do you, do you still like women or what, what does this make you? Are you going to change who you like? Um, so just know that they are two different things. And, um, that's, I think that's the biggest thing is, is it's not a choice and it's, it's separate from sexuality. Yeah. Sometimes it can just get lumped together. And I, I feel like in, in people's minds, it all does, but it's all just as I think, um, at least in my own personal experience, sexuality is on a spectrum. I think gender identity is on a spectrum as well. There's a big, um, you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk and I think growing understanding about that and about how that the sort of binary um, doesn't fit a lot of people. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and gender identity is also separate from presentation. So um, you are correct. Gender identity is a spectrum. There's, um, 
trans men, trans masculine people, non-binary people, trans feminine people, and trans women. And that doesn't even include people who are agender or gender fluid. Um, and also, I mean, like I have teenagers, they're trans masculine or they're trans guys, but they still enjoy wearing a skirt every so often. And so their parents question them, like, are you really trans? But but like I said, presentation doesn't directly correlate to gender identity either. Yeah. I think one of the one of the more famous examples of that, I think currently is probably Jonathan Van Ness, who is who identifies as trans and a lot of times now will wear like a dress, but still has like the big full beard and everything. And it really is, I think it's on a spectrum and and, and I think a lot of what you say is so true is that, you know, it's not um and I talk about this in retirement planning a lot too. It's not like a one size fits all kind of a thing. It's, you know, everybody in their situation, in their personal life, in their financial life, whatever it is, is different. And so understanding and appreciating that, I think means so much, especially to the people who fall outside what society considers the norm, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, and talk about that too. I mean, because, you know, a lot of what I, I discuss on this show does have to do with, with finances and with aging and all of that. And so much of that with uh, the LGBTQ plus community um, is just, is just different by its very nature. We have different uh, types of family units. We have different types of relationships that we are, are in. And so, what have you found in your um, practice and in your experience that is, you know, a, a major struggle or some of the major struggles that people go through as queer people as we get older? Yeah. So I would say that if if you're a queer person and you're you're not partnered um, as you get older, loneliness is a really big factor. Um, you know, you're, you're coming home every day and you might not have a partner at home. And as you get older, the, the scene in the city might not be something that you're interested in. And there's not as many opportunities for the LGBTQ community to gather or, you know, socialize um, outside of you know, partying, there's softball leagues and choirs and things like that, but not, not really much of a, a good, um, kind of sober, um, socialization. Um, so loneliness is one thing, um, members of the LGBTQ community might have grief over not having children or grandchildren. Um, they see their friends, um, you know, babysitting their grandkids and that, that could have some feelings. Um, they might have feelings about not having a retirement or a partner for double income. Um, you know, that's a big thing if we're, you know, this is a retirement podcast. So that's a big thing to think about, um, is that, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't get married, you might not have a partner for double income. Um, and then advanced directives. Um, I did want to talk about that. I was a hospice social worker for a while. So if, if someone's, uh, you know, unpartnered, there could be a very, very big need to set up an advanced directive so someone can execute your will or your wishes um, without any legal, um, you know, ramifications. And then if you're partnered, um, even if you're partnered, there can still be that grief over not having children or um, just, 
just those those kind of unique obstacles. I was reading this is a little um, a little clinical, but I was reading Eric Erickson's um, stages of development. And it said that one of the stages of development from 30 to 50 is like establishing a family. Um, So I I thought about how that really wasn't LGBTQ aligned or friendly because, you know, our families might be just, you know, two people. Um, So so I thought I I noticed that when I was kind of researching for this podcast. yeah. 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 It's, it's funny uh, that you say, th- say that that way, because my, my husband and I have been, we've been together for over 15 years and we've been married for over 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and now, you know, I'm in my early forties. I'm like, okay, well I've, I guess I was done building my family 15 years ago and didn't quite know it. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's very true. Um, and, and there is, I mean, even in my own, uh, my own personal life, like my, dad before he passed i know that he wanted us to have a grandchild for for him he's got one we have have a niece and and um we actually have two nieces the other one's on the other side of the family but we have uh, a niece on this uh side of the family my side and uh you know my dad absolutely loved her they were like best friends and i know that he wanted another grandchild and um there is a certain amount of guilt now that he has passed um, in my mind that, that we didn't give him that. Um, yeah. and so I think that's not just uncommon. It sounds like. Yeah, it's, it's really not uncommon and, and moving past that guilt, um, you know, sometimes therapy can help, um, sometimes building your purpose in life. Um, another stage of development is generativity versus stagnation. Um, so kind of, realizing how you contributed to society, how you contributed to your family. Um, you know, even though you didn't produce a grandchild, you know, you might've shown up every Christmas and been a role model to your niece. Um, so just thinking about these things in a more kind way to yourself. Yeah. I think being kind to yourself is so important and, and difficult, I think for a lot of us to do. Um, so, you know, also, I think one one thing that popped into my mind as I was thinking about our conversation today ahead of time um, was just, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, people as they get older, I think whether they're partnered or not, uh, if they don't have children or maybe they don't have a, a large extended family or something, might be thinking, okay, when I get older, if I need long-term care, for example, who mm-hmm. in the world is going to take care of me? I might not necessarily want to go into the nursing home or into a facility if I don't have to, mm-hmm. um, who in the world is going to take care of me? Is that, that another thing that you've found? It, it definitely is. Um, that's what I was, that's what I was mentioning like earlier in the show was um, to have an advanced directive and, you know, talk about who's going to, who's going to care for you in your place. Um, if you don't want to go into a nursing home, you know, that does create a challenge because who's going to care for you? And I know that you you mentioned that I'm cis, but and married to married to a guy. But um, I have a, a friend, um, you know, a friend. I've known her for twelve years. Um, I refer to her as like my best girlfriend. And um, we have this like pact that 
you know, if, if my husband passes away, we're going to move in together. And, you know, she's also single and unmarried. So my husband's been like, you know what, if it gets to the point where she, you know, has some chronic pain and needs a place to stay, like she can just be our roommate, you know? So, so I think that having a plan like that would be a good option. You know, think about, especially if you're unpartnered or even if you're partnered like I am, you know, what, what are you going to do if your partner passes away or who are you going to stay with? Is anybody going to take you in? Especially like you said, if you don't want long-term care. Yeah. It's, it's so important to just have a plan and, you know, I mean, no matter how you come up with that plan, make sure it's a plan that makes sense to you. It's something that aligns with your wishes and and not anybody else's. Um, exactly. Super, super important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, what also have you found, um, you know, with people who are, you know, worried about maybe, I think, obviously, you know, we talk about, at least statistically, the number one uh, reason that people say get divorced later in life are financial reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, what are maybe some unique challenges that LGBTQ plus folks face um, in, in your experience financially, especially as, um, as they age? Um, I think that if there is not as much money, um, not as much retirement, I think people are concerned about where they're going to live, how they're going to pay their mortgage, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna, who's like, if there's no children, um, sometimes children would, arrange for their parents to be in long-term care and help with the finances. So there is kind of that fear that you don't have someone, you know, to place, put you in placement or, or, you know, help you pay for uh, retirement. Or um, I know some people sell their house previously um, to not get stuck in their house um, being, uh, used for long-term care. So who do we, who do we give our house to, you know, who do we sell our house to? Um, so there are some unique challenges around finances with that. Um, and, and you mentioned couples getting divorced, you know, over finances and, you know, people who are in the LGBTQ community can get divorced as well over finances. Um, and then that creates a unique challenge because you were previously partnered and felt like you had a game plan kind of, and now you're suddenly not, and you also don't have children. So. Yeah. It, it's, you know, you, you think you just, when you think you've got it all figured out, sometimes <laughs> life happens yeah. and you won't. And that's why I sort of like, I, I always like to tell people plan for whatever could happen. Like, obviously we don't have a crystal ball and we can't, you know, say, oh, well, this is what my life situation is going to be X, Y, Z number of years from now. But um, control the things that you can and yes. plan for the unknowns. Right, right, definitely. And and with my with my experience in hospice, I did want to talk about um, advanced directives, if you don't mind. Yeah, please do. Please go further into that because I, I know that you know people might have heard that term, obviously, and you and you've mentioned it here just a couple of times so far. But talk about what an advanced directive is and how easy or difficult it is to, to put one of those in place. Yeah. So an advanced directive basically states your wishes um, before you pass away. Um, it's like, do you want to be on life support? Do you want um, food? Do you want water? It's, it's very specific 
um, to your wishes. Um, and, and it even goes into like, is there something you want to do? It can be as, as, as important as, and as detailed as, is there something you want done at your funeral? Is there a special song you want to play? Is there someone that you want to speak? Um, is there, it's, it's a little different from a will, so it doesn't really talk about finances, but it's basically everything that's not the finances. Um, you know, uh, and then it's very important because it names who's going to make those decisions for you if you're incapacitated and can't do it for yourself. So at the specific to the LGBTQ community is who are you going to choose? You, you might have a partner and, you know, that might be the obvious choice, but if you're unpartnered, then you need to choose one, two, three people, you know, that can, that can honor your wishes and, and be there for you. And then you need to give this to your healthcare providers. Like for instance, I'm in Atlanta, so I have a lot of healthcare providers at Emory. So Emory has a copy of my advanced directive um, already right now, even at my age. So that's, that's very important. And as far as how to create one, um, you can go to a lawyer and create one. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll usually whip it up and, and, and lump it in when you do your will or trust. Um, but you can also just Google uh, an advanced directive. One of the ones we used in hospice was called the five wishes. Um, and in, I don't, I can't speak for other states, but I know that in Georgia, as long as you have two unrelated witnesses to sign it, um, it is a legally binding advanced directive. So if your finances aren't in a row that you can, you know, pay for a will or advanced directive, you can, um, get one from the internet and, and get it signed. Um, if you want to go as far as getting it notarized, you can, but otherwise, it's it's kind of pretty simple. I think the hardest part is is making the decisions and really thinking about what you want. Yeah, I think so uh, as well. My dad actually had um, an advanced directive. My mom has one um, as well. And you know, I mean, it, it it is it's those big decisions that you know, if I am in a situation where I cannot tell you what I want, mm-hmm. this is what I want. Here it is in black and white, written down. Um, in a in a legally binding document, so that there's no uh, discussion to be had about it. This is what I want, and or as you say, here's who can make a decision on my behalf. Someone who I trust, right. and um, like you know, with my with my dad, of course, it was my mom, and you know, with my mom, it's my sister and I, and so it, it yeah, it's a very very important thing um, to have as part of that end of life planning, which is something that, you know, and we talk about that a lot on the show too. It's, it, it goes to like, um, you know, getting life insurance and, and all of those types of things. Um, you know, final expense, uh, coverage is something that we, um, talk about on occasion. Also, it's not like, you know, the happiest discussion to have, cause as human <laughs> beings, we don't like to necessarily talk about death. Um, we like to yeah. talk about life and living and having fun, uh, but it's a necessary thing. And, um, that's, um, it can, but it can be a struggle to, to discuss. It, it can be a struggle to discuss. And, you know, again, that's another thing that you might um, want to seek therapy for um, if you're having really hard, a hard time with end-of-life discussions and end-of-life plans. Um, and, and it can be hard, like I said, if you're, if you're part of the LGBTQ community, it can be hard to make the decision of who, who to make those who to speak in your place if you're not partnered or 
you know, if you want someone other than your partner. Um, but that is a unique challenge. And then um, another unique challenge I wanted to speak about is, is your, your will. Um, and if you have a trust, you know, if you, if you didn't have children, what do you do? Um, I know a lot of times pets are very important to um, members of the LGBTQ community. Um, and I mean, even like my pets are like my children right now. Um, so, uh, you know, I have people who are come to session and they're worried about what's going to happen to their animals. Um, and you can actually, if I'm not mistaken, Matt, you would know this better than I do, is that you can name finances to care for your animals. Yeah. Um, and so, so it's just, it is a unique, unique challenge for the LGBTQ community. Yeah. You can designate that, um, to, you know, a particular type of, uh, fund, uh, to be able to, to take care of your animal's name, of course, who, who you want uh, them to be, uh, in their care as well. And, and all of that. And yeah, it's, um, and that's another thing that, that we, um, I, I'm a future guest on the show is going to talk about is, is estate planning and, and a lot of the different things that we've been talking about here. And one of those things, you know, you mentioned was a trust and people might say, oh, well, do I have to be filthy rich to have a trust? You really don't. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's a legal vehicle for making sure that your, you know, wishes are, are carried out basically. It's just another way to be able to like protect and control again, the things that you can control in life. Right, right. And, you know, uh, a lot of my clients are politically active. Um, so a trust could even be like when I pass away, my house, the, the, you know, the proceeds from my house can go to this organization or that organization if you don't have children. So. Yeah, it, it's, it really is, um, you know, basically kind of whatever you want to do with it in a, in a legal fashion, of course. Um, well, Katie, anything else that you wanted to add or talk about before we uh, before we run here in a couple of minutes? Um, I, you know, I guess I just want to talk about the fact that um, I want to talk about therapy for a second. Sure. Uh, since I'm a therapist, and absolutely. Well, and I and I'm a big advocate for it as well. I've I've uh, you know off and on at least for years uh, been in um, therapy, and it is something that I am a big big believer in. Even just having somebody to to talk to about mm -hmm. what is going on in your life. Yeah. And that's what, that's kind of what I was going to talk about was the stigma of therapy. I think a lot of people think that if you go to therapy, it means you're depressed or you have anxiety or you're bipolar or something pretty significant. And, and the truth is, is that therapy can be, like you said, just to have somebody to talk to. You don't have to have some sort of, you know, diagnostic mental health illness to go to therapy. And you're not necessarily going to be labeled with one either to go to therapy. So, you know, therapy is open to people. Like, for instance, like this conversation, you know, it, you might just want to sit down with a therapist and talk about your end of life planning. Um, so, you know, that has nothing to do with depression or mental health but you, you still are open to going to see a therapist. You know, it's not, I just don't want to stigmatize therapy. I want to lift that stigma. Yeah. It's so important. And, and it's, um, you know, I think that a person who we recently lost just in the last few months, Rosalind Carter was someone who I think did a lot to, of work during her life to sort of, um, try and, and release that 
stigma from you know mental health and and all of that. Obviously, still work to do, but she uh, got us started. I think down that road in a big way. And thank you for continuing that because it's a very important it's a very important thing. And and it doesn't mean you know it just because you are you know seeing a therapist or some sort of mental health professional that you are in any way um, quote unquote crazy or, you know, should be, you know, thinking twice about that or anything, think lesser of yourself because it's a very normal thing. Just as you take care of your, of your body, of your physical body, um, take care of your, of your mind, take care of your, um, of your mental health, your emotional health as well. It's so, so important. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, just, just super important. And, yeah. you know, I think, you know, people will go to a business coach and or or a life coach. And if you would go to a business coach or a life coach, you, you should be comfortable going to a therapist because most of the difference is just that therapy is going to process not only your your goals and, you know, business goals, but it, it'll process your emotions surrounding those. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the thing because there are emotions attached to pretty much everything that we do in life. And, um, you know, often we'll, we'll talk about, you know, stay away from investing with emotion and that kind of thing, because that can get you into a lot of financial trouble. That's a place where we want you to keep your emotions out of it. Right. But there are emotions attached to pretty much everything that we do. And so not only being able to process the actual thing, whatever that might be, but the emotions involved in it and intertwined with it um is is just essential i feel and uh thank you for doing the the work that you do thank you i really really appreciate you having me on this show um i went back to school um after like 15 20 years into my career of a therapist to get my mba so um you know when you mentioned that this was a retirement show and financial literacy i it really really piqued my interest well great well i, I thank you for coming on and it, yeah it's you know i was i was looking at kind of the impetus for the show was i was looking around at at resources uh for lgbtq plus people in this you know sort of retirement financial planning space out there there weren't many to be seen that focused specifically on the community so um that's why I do what I do um, is to really sort of give back to the community that has given me so much in my life. So um, I appreciate you being a part of it. And if people, Katie, want to get in touch with you um, after hearing you on the show uh, today, how can they do that? Yeah, my website um, is my name, you know, www.katielikem.com. On that site is um, a contact form. That's the easiest way to get through me. It's um, well, email me immediately when you fill it out. Um, and if you prefer um, phone, that's fine too. Um, I generally like to, instead of paying phone tag, set up a time to call, and I offer um, free ten-minute phone consults for people to see if we're a good fit. Um, my number is four zero four nine four eight six one eight six. And it'll hopefully be in the show notes. Very good. We'll put that there and direct people uh, to uh, get in touch with you via any of those uh, ways. Yeah. Um, Katie, thank you so much once again for being a part of Take Pride in Retirement. Thank you. I appreciate it. I am so glad that I was able to have Katie Lycom on the show. And um, I, I really hope that you got as much out of that conversation as I did. So many issues that we face 
and so many different ways to be able to overcome those, to be able to um, to persevere, to power through, but not only to persevere, not only to to make it, but to thrive as well as we age as LGBTQ folks, no matter what part of the extended LGBTQ plus community you fall into, um, you know, you can have a retirement that you can take pride in. There are resources out there for you if you have any struggles like we were just talking about. Um, there are ways to overcome, to survive, and to thrive. And I just thank Katie so, so much for being a part of the show today. She uh, has really, really um, just brought so much to the table, and I hope to have her back once again on the show. Now, of course, you can uh, listen to past episodes of Take Pride in Retirement. Maybe this is the first time you have joined us. Uh, maybe you saw where Katie posted on social media that she was going to be on the show. Or maybe you got a blast email that she was going to be on the show, for example. And this is your first time joining us. A lot of great content here on Take Pride in Retirement. Just go to TakePrideInRetirement.com. That is TakePrideInRetirement.com. You can email me, Matt, at TakePrideInRetirement.com as well. Or give us a call, 855-246-9211. That's 855-246-9211. And uh, you'll get in touch with me and we can talk about um, any of these issues, a free consultation uh, with no obligation to continue on. You'll only work with me if it's best for you. I want to help you review your current financial situation, give you a plan that you can then stick to and work and then compare where you're headed to where you could be headed with a plan uh, that we come up with for you to give you a retirement you can take pride in. That's the goal. You can also listen to back episodes of Take Pride in Retirement at the website. Once again, that's TakePrideInRetirement.com. And please like and subscribe to the podcast as well. Anywhere you get podcasts, we are there. So uh, I would appreciate that a lot. And also on YouTube, go to the YouTube channel to search Take Pride in Retirement. Uh, Give us a like, subscribe to us. That really helps the algorithm and helps us grow. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of Take Pride in Retirement. Really thank you again for joining me um, and thank you for for just being a part of things, being a part of the family and the community here uh, at this show. We really want to just continue to grow and to thrive uh, in what we're doing here and we hope that you get something out of it each and every week. And as I say, every time we end a show, thank you again so much for joining us. Take pride in yourselves and take care of each other. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Take Pride in Retirement. Members of the LGBTQ plus community deserve to work with a fiduciary financial advisor who puts their needs first. To schedule a free, no obligation consultation with Matt McClure and the team at Active Wealth Management, call 855-246-9211 or go online to takeprideinretirement.com. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Active Wealth Management Incorporated are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Registered investment advisors and investment advisor representatives act as fiduciaries for all of our investment management clients. We have an obligation to act in the best interest of our clients and to make full disclosure of any conflicts of interest, if any exist. When it comes to retirement planning, focus more on income than building a big nest egg. I'm Matt McClure with the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife.
It may sound counterintuitive, but that big nest egg number you probably have in your head means a lot less than the income you'll have each month in retirement. The math has all changed here, but the bottom line is time is your superpower. Save as much as you can. NBC News senior business correspondent Christine Romans recently said on the Today Show that you should not just rely on Social Security in your retirement years. Social Security alone is not likely to support you in the manner to which you are accustomed, right? You want to wait as long as possible to get that. Maybe 70. If you wait till you 70 to collect Social Security, you'll get the biggest check. And she says contribute to your retirement accounts early and often. So this is from Fidelity. They say at age 30, you should have one time your salary in a retirement account when you're 30. So think about what your salary is at age 30, and that's how much you should have in your retirement account. By 50, it should be six. This is where I start to freak out because I I know a lot of people can't and don't do this. By age 67, it should be 10 times. A personal pension using a fixed indexed annuity is also a great option for many pre-retirees and retirees to consider. It offers protection from market volatility and a guaranteed stream of income that will last the rest of your life no matter how long you live. Having a big nest egg may sound nice, but focusing more on income will set you up for success in your golden years. So, do you know where your paychecks and playchecks will come from each month when you leave the workforce? That's a key question to consider as you plan for what's ahead. With the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Matt McClure.